What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of How We Hustle, the show dedicated to helping you stack dead presidents and keeping your sanity in the gig economy. What's going on, Kim? How's it going? Good. I always love that intro. I don't know why, but I always love it. So I got a question for you right off the bat. Before we get into it, I had uh, a passive aggressive moment during a delivery over this last week. And I'm curious to know if you have ever had a passive aggressive moment. I'm not really a passive aggressive person, so to speak. So you can oh, slap on. one on me and see what I would do. Okay. <laughs> so here, and this will be a quick story. It'll go quick. I promise. So I, over the years have delivered to this customer many, many times. And, uh, this customer always has a habit of tipping just enough, just enough to get me to do the order, right? Any less, and I probably wouldn't touch it. So, uh, and they always order at night. Well, almost always. And they never turn their lights on, right? Like, I, I think as drivers, we kind of have that, that uh, we, we expect it to be the darkest house on the block when we pull up, right? And <laughs> so... I was feeling particularly persnickety and the, so I get this order and I, uh, <laughs> I go pulling up and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to teach them a lesson. And this was on Uber eats. So I, when I was taking my delivery photo, I intentionally did not turn on my flash and I took the darkest freaking picture I possibly could have where you just couldn't see anything. Now, of course, this could potentially come back to bite me, right? Like they could claim they didn't get it, but I've delivered to this person several times and I've never had an issue. So <laughs> it was like, <laughs> no. But did you get not... that message then? Oh, wait, were you, wait, was it DoorDash or Uber Eats? It was this DoorDash, one was Uber right? Eats. Uh, I was going to say, did you get that Uber message Eats. that your picture is too dark? <laughs> right. No, no, no. So uh, that was my passive aggressive moment. I was just like, mm, and I sent it off. Okay. So I don't know. That was that was my passive aggressive moment. So yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, this is our second episode of How We Hustle. We are grateful that you guys are joining us again. This is going to be a particularly interesting show. I wrote the show notes from my perspective pretty much exclusively. So it is almost certainly going to piss Kim off. Oh, fantastic. So before we get too far into the show. Uh, we got a, a couple of things here to tell you guys about. We have an email address if you guys wanted to get in touch with us uh, and send us interesting uh, stories and screenshots and stuff like that. So that is howwehustleyt at gmail.com. And that will also be in the description. And the last one, we also set up a phone number where you guys can text us. Put this in your contact list. The number is 678 888 3910. So uh, this is not my uh, personal number or Kim's. This is just a text number that you guys can reach us. We will check this about once a week. So please don't expect a quick response. But if you stumble across anything interesting, we would love to hear from you. We're getting all high tech, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting high tech. Kim, tonight's episode is all about mistakes that drivers should probably avoid in 2024. And we're going to talk about a series of mistakes, and uh, you and I are going to duke it out on a couple of these issues. We're going to slowly work our way up to what I think is probably the single biggest mistake that a driver can make in 2024. And uh, that there's going to be some some moments of tension here, Kim, because I know that we're not going to see eye to eye on this. We never do, but that's the whole fun of it, isn't it? 
usually. <laughs> so, we had a really interesting show last time where we had talked about like adaptation, like destructive adaptation versus like uh, productive adaptation. So let's start with adapting, right? Just, you were going on and on about how drivers need to adapt. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with that to an extent, but there's destructive adaptation like we had talked about, and then there's productive adaptation. So why don't you go ahead and like just give your quick like 30 second pitch or whatever. Oh, 30. I only get 30 seconds. I'm long winded. You you it's your show too. <laughs> um, first of all, I do think one of the biggest mistakes a DoorDash driver can make in 2024 is not adapting to whatever is going on. We saw God last year, how many changes just in DoorDash alone. I feel like every single time, every week, there was something new coming out. And if you didn't adapt as a driver, you kind of got lost in the mix and you could have lost potential money by not adapting to what was going on. And one of the biggest things that to me happened was base pay cut on top of that, orders decreased. We saw sometimes orders just not even coming in, whatever DoorDash was doing with the app. So To me, it caused me to take a step back and to adapt the way that I work DoorDash. That's first thing. But it also got me into learning even more apps than what I currently have. So, and I know we're going to go into this a little later in the show, but it really caused me to not just multi-app. And I've been multi-apping now for years, right? This isn't our traditional job that we all have. Like it's literally multi-apping for me has always been the way of me making money, but now it's multi-niching. It's not just food delivery. It's catering apps. It's uh, it's grocery apps. It's the last mile apps. Like whatever it is, it's going to make me the most amount of money. That's what I'm doing. And that's kind of how I adapted last year and I'm adapting this year. Okay. So my idea of adapting is very different from yours. We need to have set minimums for the time of day, day of the week, et cetera. We need to know, if, okay, if it's Monday during lunch, right? Like this is the minimum I'm going to accept full stop, right? You need to know your cost to operate. And when the base pay goes down, right, you don't start taking those lower paying orders because your cost to operate isn't going down with it. So you really yeah. do need to keep, no, no, no. You need to stick to your guns. And you can't just accept that new normal, right? Yes, unfortunately, it gets pushed more and more onto the customer with base pay reductions. However, more and more, that is the only way we are getting paid. So, and and by continuing to adapt in the way that you're talking about, it sets the precedent that, yes, we are going to get these bad orders delivered no matter what they're paying us. So what your idea of a bad order is not the same idea of what my bad order is. And I think that's where the disconnect is. And I'm not telling you to take $2 orders. I'm not telling you to even take $3 orders. You're a driver. You can take whatever orders you want to, to make your money. But I I didn't interrupt you. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I think, you know, I'm going to yell that. For me, you know, to me, the hot button issue is, and I said this last week, 
the bill that collectors don't really care if you take a $2 order or a $6 order or a $20 order. As far as I'm concerned, my bill collectors just want money. And it's really, I think it really depends on people's situations and what they're going through and their life and what their own minimums are. Okay. So yeah, I mean, the bill collector thing is fine, right? But I don't understand how you get from thinking that a $4 order is going to be okay to pay your bills. Why isn't when, a $4 order okay? Well, I mean, when it used to pay four seventy five, right? Your options are to, at that point, the way I see it, your options are to work longer, like put in more hours, or just take home less money every month. But just because you take a $4 order doesn't mean that you work less hours. Just because they take a $4 order doesn't mean that I'm no, out. more hours, not less hours. No, I don't wake, work more hours than what I currently was. I just so, found a new way of making money. But, but, but help me understand that, then, because if you're if you're adapting to a new normal, right? Like if you're lowering your standards to adapt to a new normal. But I've always then, taken four dollar orders, even before all of this happened. I've always taken it. You can't tell me, and we're going to go back to you brought up profitability. So mm -hmm. you can't tell me that a $4 order going literally up the street a half mile away is not profitable. It, it might be a low tip order, but it is not not profitable. I, I'll do those all day long, at least once an hour. If it's going, if I've already had $20 in an hour, I take one more $4 order. I now have $24 an hour. They tend to add up. Now, am I going to do it in the middle of dinner time? Absolutely not. Am I going to do it in the middle of a lunchtime rush? Absolutely not. You have to really pick and choose the times that so, you're taking. Okay, so I get what you're saying, right? But I I think that there's better ways to adapt than to just be like, well, screw you guys for lowering my pay, but I'm going to go ahead and accept these orders that I wouldn't have accepted before. But I would so, have accepted I mean, it before. Okay, okay. All right, Kim. If let, let's put it, <laughs> what what is your absolute floor? What is your absolute bare minimum that you are willing to accept per order? Four dollars. Four dollars. That's okay. my bare minimum. What happens if the pay goes down another fifty cents in the next? Then like, I'll months? make that adjustment when it comes. I, you know, I hate to say, even if it's going a half a mile, there's a chance because for me with DoorDash, I maintain a high AR, right? So I. I am always, okay. well, I have been a top dasher for almost so, a year so and a half. So I, I do have to stop you there. So when yeah. you say you would adapt if it went down by 50 cents an order, right? Mm -hmm. Are you saying that you would take it from $4, like the minimum you would accept to three fifty? I I can't even tell you until it really happens, to be honest with you. I, I really haven't made up my mind yet because it really hasn't happened. But if a 350 order is literally going 0.2 miles and I'm already sitting at a McDonald's, then, you know, I, I might, I, I really don't know if it's gonna help me still maintain my high AR and DoorDash, like uh, it's something I might entertain. Have you had to replace your car yet as a result of doing gig work? I, and that's not a gotcha question, I actually don't know. No, I haven't. Okay, so I have. And, and it sucked. It was extremely unexpected. Things were perfectly fine one day, and then the next day, I need a new car. So I, I can tell you from personal experience, it hurts bad when you have to replace a car that you weren't expecting to replace. And while you say our, our bill collectors or our, you know the people we owe money to or whatever don't care if our pay goes down, well, that's true. Our cars also don't care if we're only making $2 an order or if we're making $10 for that order. They're going to break down when they're going to break down. So, but, by God, I'm not going to lower my standards 
to just keep the tires turning. You can do that. It might work for you because you're your own boss, right? You're your own independent contractor. You make the decisions that are best for yourself. I make my decisions that are best for myself. And, you know, it. I had last week a $1,400 week and I was still taking $4 orders. So you can't tell me that by taking smaller orders doesn't lead to a better week or even more money. It does, you know, because I'm living proof of it. So, and I, and a thousand of those dollars just came from DoorDash last week alone, not along my other apps. So to say that it doesn't work, it does work for me because I'm living proof that I'm going out. I'm still hustling. I'm still doing what I need to do in order to make my money. And for me, it's keeping my wheels moving. I'm not telling anybody to do what I do. I'm just telling you, this is the way that I do it. Okay. So Kim, I I understand that you and I have a different way of approaching this, but I think that there's probably a healthier way to adapt that probably more drivers could get behind instead of like doing this like back and forth, like who's right, who's wrong here, even though the chat clearly knows that I am correct in this. Yeah, you know you're not. I I absolutely (laughs) am. I absolutely (laughs) am. (laughs) So, um, all right, look. So, I mean... I got to be honest, Kim. I mean, what we're talking about here is I think that you're practicing destructive adaptation. Like you're awesome. I have have nothing but respect for you because you're running your car into the ground and you're accepting new normal. Have I replaced my car yet? No, you haven't. No. Have, do I have a car fund in case stuff happens to my car? You don't know that, but I do. So I I think you need to be Exactly. But I do. So you have to, if you're smart about so, your money. Let, let's and let's the, look at this logically, yeah, though. No, no, no. Like, hold on. No, no, no. Let's look at this logically, though, for a second. <laughs> because You didn't okay, even let me if, finish. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you are smart with your money and me, I take an order every single day, no matter what is happening, and I put it towards a car fund. If I needed to go out and buy a car tomorrow, I could. So when the worst case scenario happens, like I am smart about it and I know what I'm doing, it has nothing to do with me taking a $4 order because you can, you're already talking about profitability. It is profitable to take a $4 order going one mile. Would I take a $4 order going four miles? No, but if it's going right up the street, why wouldn't I? Okay. So, and again, my whole scenario here is not having to accept that to begin with. But Kim, what I was going to say is you're talking about having your fund, right? To replace your car when that inevitably happens. Yeah. And, and people like, don't think that that's not going to happen. It, it's a reality of gig work. Unfortunately, if you do it, it long is. enough, everybody's going to have to replace their car. We're all going to have a major oopsie. But Kim, I mean, if you're, if you're taking, okay, like let's, let's take the LOP out of it for a minute. Let's try to even this playing field a little bit here. Okay. If you're taking four and five dollar orders and I'm taking nine and ten dollar orders, who is going to be able to put aside more money comfortably? I am because I'm not I'm not stopping. I'm keeping the wheels moving while you're stopping. I'm still making money. Okay, that's true. But if you're taking four and five dollar orders, right, and I'm waiting an extra 10 minutes 
for something that's paying twice as much, I would say that I'm But I can have that $5 dollar order done before you even get another order and I have five more dollars in your pocket and while you're still waiting around. extremely dependent on the market, right? We can't set that precedent for everybody because that in my market is probably not a reality for most people. But once again, I'm not telling people to do the same thing I'm doing. I'm telling people this is the way that I'm doing okay. it and it's working for And me. I'm not telling people not to do this. I'm just giving two, you know, two different perspectives here, Kim. So, but like, let's, let's segue a little bit here. I think that there's ways that we can adapt that aren't necessarily destructive. So I've talked about this in videos a couple of times. There is a city in my market called Ferndale and it's like one, uh, you know, just, just one town North of where I drive. And uh, it's substantially smaller than the main market here, the main city. It's not as densely populated with restaurants, but as a result, there's far fewer drivers. So, on days that it's slow, traditionally, like a, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, a driver could be waiting around in in my city, in Bellingham, you know, for you know 10, 20 minutes in between offers potentially, but they could also go, you know, go up to Ferndale and like wait just a, a couple of minutes in between offers. Like that to me is, you know, better for adapting than taking lower paying orders. I, you know, I agree with adapting to different areas. I'm now working in a completely different area than I used to work just because, and we've talked about this before, is oversaturation. I talked about this last night is like oversaturation is real in my market. And it's something that has affected me. I'm sure it a lot of it has affected you. Talk about like a showstopper right there. To me, that's like a showstopper on itself. Um, but I, it caused me to find different areas, work in different areas, work in different zones. So that is a real thing. It is a different way of adapting. I think a lot of times people get comfortable in their own areas and in their, you know, own little bubbles and don't explore outside of their area. And that is one thing I will encourage everybody who's having a hard time making money to do. What works in one area might not work in another area, or you might find a different area that gives you more money. And that's the whole entire point. Like I am all about experimenting with different programs, different areas, like mm. experiment all over the place, you never know what's going to come out of it. See, for me, like, I, I can't say that acceptance rates bring in more money. I can never say that acceptance rates, you know, give you priority because that doesn't work in the DoorDash land. For me, I have a high AR and I maintain it because yeah. of Top Dasher and Dash Now. Like, in my market, like, I need to be able to go, come and go as I please. And that's the way to make money in my own market. Like that's the, what works for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody. That's what actually works for me. Like I can't, even if I'm not a top dasher, you try to get a schedule, you can't get a schedule. You try to get on, it's gray. And I know a lot of dashers out there experience the same thing. Not only that, but for me personally, my schedule is literally all over the place between, yeah. you know, YouTube and home life. Like I need to be able to come and go as I please. Like that's the way that I make my own money. So that's why I maintain a high AR, high AR. But I don't think high ARs 
give you certain priority access over orders than, you know, other people. No, the like the one and main focus of Top Dasher is the scheduling feature, which is what I use it for. And I and I understand that. And I'm not down on anybody who feels that they have to raise their acceptance rate to, you know, to get the hours that they need. My gripe with that is literally just that you shouldn't have to hit a certain acceptance rate to begin with. Oh, I Again, I totally agree with that. I think yeah. DoorDash is crap for making drivers go through the rigmarole of high, having a high AR. Like I think it's especially when acceptance rates are illegal according to independent contractors. Like yeah. it shouldn't even be a thing. Like how a lot of these companies function and get away DoorDash specifically with what they get away with, it's absolutely ridiculous. So it's not just the quality of the order, though, Kim, that is the problem here. I, I think that drivers get comfortable doing the same things that we're used to doing. Agreed. And there are ways that we can adapt with that, too. So, like, for example, like, we could, you know, we could try changing the hours that we work, you know, and I realize that this won't work for everybody. But that's something that, you know, I have had to do in the past. Like, during the summer here, my market, you know, like most is just crickets, you know. and if I don't change my hours during the summer, I'm going to make substantially less. So instead of going out from, you know, like 4 p.m. to like 7 p.m. Uh, in the summer, I go out from like 7 p.m. to like 9 p.m. So, you know, people start filing in, you know, going back home a little bit later in my market in the summer. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not out wasting my time when nobody's ordering. My hours vary too. I mean, I'm kind of opposite of you. And this is really... And I've said this before, so I apologize if I feel like, you know, I'm a broken record when I say this, is in my market, summer is not summer slowdown in my market. I am by the shore, right? So, you know, I get people flocking to my area. It gets jam-packed um, tourists up you know, the, 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 I can't speak the New Jersey coast. <laughs> um, so for me, like I work actually more hours in the summer trying to get in as much money as I possibly can. So that way, when the winter time comes in, I scale, I actually scale back on my hours. It kind of flip flops a little bit in yeah. my area, but you need to know, at least in my opinion, your own area and how it works. I mean, when we went through like the massive slowdown, what, three weeks ago four weeks ago we were all like oh my god what the heck is happening like yeah. i i used to start my morning at eight o'clock in the morning I, there was no need to start my morning yeah. at eight o'clock in the morning i started it at a 10 and i found out that i was making the same amount of money as i was starting at 10 that i was eight i just got a lot more work done at home than going out and doing traditional you know work as far as gig work is concerned so yeah you know it really is adapting to really under you know understanding your market so, and what it so we agree on this one. Oh my god i would think we did <laughs> we did yay <laughs> uh, so okay uh, cool i'm glad um you know and i and i came out kind of swinging there with the order pay because that was kind of on my mind i've seen a lot of like low paying art, uh, orders in my market and kim i will say even though i don't agree with you on your method i do have to say you you have a process for what you do. And even though I don't agree with you, I can respect the way that you go about it. Oh, thank you. So I, I do have to say that I will, you know, there, there's, there's the, the peace offering. 
<laughs> so, um, wow, that's an olive branch for you. That, that was a hell of an olive branch. <laughs> so, um, you know, another option for some drivers, and again, this isn't going to work for everybody, but it's it's certainly an option, is you can try different markets, like different different zones, excuse me. So, and interestingly, so I have one, uh, like my market is just like one zone, Kim. And I, I kind of feel like it's, I, I almost feel like my market is broken up into different zones, if that makes sense. Okay. So I've got like kind of like the downtown area, which is its own zone, even though it's not like actually marked like that on the map. Um, and then there's like the mall area. That's kind of like its own zone. And then there's the area I wait in, Barkley, which is kind of its own zone. So I, I guess my question for the chat is, do you find yourself tending to stay kind of in the same areas or are you finding yourself like literally all over the same, uh, all over the city? I think every zone is different, um, you know, in the way that it operates. Like mine are very clear zones. It might be the same zone, just different, you know, I'll call them hotspots, so to speak, at least in DoorDash terms. So, you know, I have a pretty big zone in itself, but the hotspots move depending on the different areas. Like I have a downtown area, I have a mall area, but like I said, I'm not working in the areas that I normally work work in. So I started learning a whole different area. So to me, it just depends. Um, you know, a lot of areas in New Jersey, they're, you know, smaller populations, but a lot of them have, you know, really punching power when it comes to some of the bigger orders. So I think it just depends on your area. It really depends on, you know, what's going on in your own market. I think it's just very dependent on where you work. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, I find though, at least in my market and I, and I can't speak to any of yours. So, you know, Kim chime in and, you know, I'm sure you guys in the chat will let me know too, but I find that the type of orders I get vary depending on where I'm accepting them from. And, and I'm not talking like fast food versus like sit down restaurants. I'm talking the area of the city that I'm in. So if I'm waiting at the mall, like we've got some sit down restaurants, we've got some fast food, right? But if I'm at the place that I usually wait, the average order value that I see is like two, $3 higher on average. Mm -hmm. I, you know, so I, I think that that plays a big role in it too. I think drivers are kind of used to a specific spot. But my question is, could there be somewhere that's more lucrative in your market? Oh, there definitely is. But the problem is with my market is those lucrative areas have already been oversaturated. So you can either go to those lucrative markets and sit around and wait for an order, but the orders you get are going to be good orders. Or you can go to a busier area where there's less drivers, but you might not get the higher ticket or the higher dollar amount that you would in the lucrative area. So yeah. it's kind of like catch 22 and you kind of have to outweigh and you also have to experiment. Will you make more money in this area by waiting around and taking a good order every once in a while? Or 
will you go to this zone and take order after order after order, but it might be five dollars, six dollars, five dollars, six order, six dollars mm. in post to the, like that one twenty dollar order. To me, it all adds up the same. You might do one order for forty five minutes, but then in another zone, you might be doing four orders in forty five minutes, but the same the results might be the same. So I want to highlight this comment from Craig Craney, and uh, this is. This is pure gold. If you guys have never tried this, you need to. So uh, she uses the DoorDash app, like the customer app, to research different zones to work. So this is a gold mine, and you can do this with the Uber Eats customer app, the Grubhub customer app. It doesn't just have to be DoorDash. So you wanna be looking for places that are running promotions like fee-free delivery, buy one, get one free, and you want to be positioning yourself in those areas because those tend to be your true hotspots. Yeah, I always look to see who has the free delivery fees because whenever mm -hmm. someone sees free delivery, that's a very good sign that they're going to be delivering from those restaurants. So that's one thing I go into the DoorDash, the customer DoorDash app to go take a look at. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, that's a great tool. But so, you know, like we're, we're kind of getting somewhere here, Kim. It's not just the adapting by taking lower orders, right? Like we can, we can change our hours. We can try different zones. We can move around the city. Um, it, which, which of those would you find the most effective in your market? Um, that's a good question for me. It was changing zones this past year, but I yeah. think the biggest thing for me would be and the way I made my money was switching niches. So not just doing food mm -hmm. delivery. And, you know, I, not that I'm a, still a big fan of it because I'm not. And, I'm, you know, and we've talked about this before. Just because I make money grocery shopping doesn't mean I always love grocery shopping. But I've been making a lot of money on Instacart lately, grocery shopping, um, catering apps. Like, just learning literally new ways of making money that has been really the biggest, I guess, adapting that I've done this past year that has really helped me in literally my own area. So what do you guys think? Do you, what has been your biggest adaptation? Is that a right <laughs> adaptation? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Um, in your own market. Like what did you guys do differently this past year that has helped you make more money? So, I think for me, Kim, a huge part of it was I stopped working Tuesdays and Wednesdays, most weeks. I might still go out you know, occasionally here and there, but I try to stick to times that I know are going to be more profitable, whereas a Tuesday or a Wednesday could definitely be a crapshoot. Um, and I, I break my days up. I think that that's been, honestly, like, it, could I stay out the extra two hours, three hours between lunch and dinner and, and make a few bucks? Sure, I could. But in my eyes, I'm going to make substantially less and I could be making more money from home. So I just tend to avoid those hours altogether. I think honestly, there's really no hours that I avoid because I feel like there's an app, there's an app for that. I feel like it's not a slogan. There's an app for that. Like <laughs> there's, an there's, that. A, there's an app for that. Like there is an app at six o'clock in the morning that could be really good for you. Like there might be an area that DoorDash might be good at six o'clock in the morning, but come eight mm -hmm. o'clock when everybody's going to work in school, it dies. And then Instacart might be good for you from like eight to 10. And then you might get a catering order at like 10 30 to 11. Like there, I feel like there's always 
a time and a place for an app that's going to make you money. You just kind of sure. need to find out what app works best during each hour of the day. Well, and kind of like what you were just talking about too, multi-niching is, is a really big deal. Like during yeah. off-peak hours, like that might be as much as I hate the app, that might be the time to turn on Instacart or something, right? When you're not going to get the food deliveries on like DoorDash or Uber Eats or something, Instacart is the way to go. Or, you know, uh, like Spark or whatever. I mean, Spark is better here in the mornings, but uh, you, you get my point. But yeah. I, I think that not multi-niching is a huge mistake that a lot of drivers are going to make this year. Like, I can't, I can't tell you how many conversations that I have had when I've been waiting to pick up orders and I ask which apps they're on, and they're like, oh, I just do DoorDash. And I'm like, why? Nah. Even though DoorDash is still the biggest moneymaker in my market, it doesn't mean that I don't use my, like, I don't keep my other apps on. Like, if you asked me what was the busiest app in my market, I would say Uber Eats, but they also give the crappiest orders in my market as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I you say. know. I will say I have seen some of the worst Uber Eats offers that I have ever seen over this last week. I saw a three dollar order that was going like nine miles. Oh, I can like, talk that. I actually I, I forgot to send it to you, and I was going to send it to you. I got a stacked order on Uber Eats this week for three dollars. That's pretty nasty too. It was horrible. That's, yeah, that's that's bad. It's uh, horrible, but I keep, I always keep Uber Eats on Grubhub. I don't even know why I keep it on, but I keep it on, but like it can go hours without hearing even one single cowbell. I always keep Instacart on because that can always run in the background. Like there are things I always keep on. It's just that in my market, DoorDash kind of beats a lot of these, a lot of these apps to the punch and getting me the orders that I need. Yeah. Yeah, Kim. Um, I think not multi-niching is probably, I, I think drivers get comfortable. And if you want to keep earning like that, that in my opinion is one of the smartest ways that we can adapt is do these apps during these times when they're known to be busy and then shift gears. But also something that a lot of drivers don't think about is apps that are specific to their region or their, their market, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so like I'll use Seattle as an example. There's a few apps that only exist in Seattle that are like, you know, popular or trendy or whatever. Right. So while those apps probably won't be a thing a year or two from now, drivers in Seattle can get on these apps and, and ride that trend and make a bunch of money in the process while they are popular. So, you know, that, that's something that you would kind of have to research for yourself uh, in your own market. Um, but that's, you know, that's another great way that you could potentially, you know, multi-niche and, and stay kind of above the curve with, uh, you know, when competing with other drivers and uh, actually Kim, there's, <laughs> there's an app. That, there's an app for that. <laughs> there's an app for that. There's an app that exists and I don't even know the name of it because the person who's on it won't tell me, but they're constantly showing me like how much they're earning on there. And it's like a great filler app because it's like all of them are like listed. It's it's like a pharmacy. They're all listed. Um, you know, so you just like, you know, say, hey, it's, it's almost like roadie. Like they have to accept you to do it. Yeah. And uh, so, you, you know, you just put in your bid or whatever. Like, okay, I think, you know, I think I'm going to be kind of winding down from, from the lunch run at this point. So I'm going to bid on this one. And like, I, I'm blown away, right? And I have no idea what this app is. I have no idea. They won't tell me. 
They want to keep their secrets. I, yeah. I, I have two apps that I will never tell anyone about just because it's my Ooh. own secret. Tell me after. No. Tell me after, damn it. No. I have no boundaries. I demand to know. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> Why, like, do they just perform that well for you or it's just not oversaturated? It's not oversaturated. I won't, mm. I won't, that's the reason why I won't tell anybody about them. They're not oversaturated. Will they make me tons of money? No, but they're good filler apps and they still produce something for me. So the minute that, you know, I feel like the minute you get word out, especially yeah. in the YouTube world, like it's all of a sudden there goes at least some of the money that you are making. So there is two apps that I like, I still won't tell anybody about. I'll, I'll see if I can wear her down. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out. I'll see if I can wear her down after. She, she's not going to tell me. No. So, um, Kim, I think another big mistake the drivers make is seeing somebody else doing it and expecting the same results. And I think that I'm going to throw us under the bus here, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I See, I was that, looking at the show notes and I, I, I can tell I am not going to agree with you on this. Oh, okay. So I think that, I, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, throw jabs at anybody here specifically, right? But I think that YouTubers maybe have given an unrealistic expectation of what it is like to drive for these apps because... So and, and you were not guilty of doing this, Kim. I will throw this and out. That's there. what that's where I was gonna go. I'm like, mm. watch it, watch it there, no, buddy. No. <laughs> no, no, no. You were not guilty of this. But there are people out there who make these extremely clickbaity videos, you know, watch me make five, six hundred bucks in a day, right? And well, maybe there are people in in very few markets in the country who that's a reality for. Like, let's be real, Kim. The vast majority of drivers won't get anywhere near that on a regular basis. I agree to an extent. Um, I can. Uh, I can't talk about other YouTubers out there. I can talk about myself. So, when I started um, this journey, this YouTube journey, and also my gig work journey, you know, I left the traditional job. I came to gig work, and you know, my whole entire channel was based off of like, how do I motivate people? to do what I'm doing. Like, how yeah. do I educate them on this is exactly what I'm doing. You can take it, you can leave it. This is exactly what I'm doing. And that's kind of what I did. I have over a thousand ride-alongs, I think at this point, it's like, it's crazy, but I never wavered or I never falsified how long I was out. I never falsified right. how much money I was making. And I always stipulated that this is my market. And all markets are always different. And well, I always say this. Go ahead. It, and I know that for a fact, you also would show when it wasn't going your way. Yeah. So, like, I'm talking about the people who are turning on the camera, editing the shit out of their videos, and only showing the best of the best. Right? I think that that sets the wrong precedent, right? It but, is. But it, it's okay. Sorry. Hold on one second. I, I, got, a, I got a profound thought, and those are okay. fleeting for me. So... I, I think it's uh, acceptable to do that if you're showing the reality 100% of the time. If you're like, man, I had this crazy $400 day. Like, you guys aren't going to believe this. But the previous three videos were like, hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm out here for eight hours. I made a hundred bucks. Like, I think that that's okay because you're showing the the, the true picture of of what it's like in you know your experience. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I definitely think. 
you know, there is, and let's face it, you know, YouTube is all about clicks and views. That's, you know, we're here to entertain you, right? So hopefully you guys are getting entertained tonight. It's all about entertaining people, but also giving the correct information as well. And I think there's a very fine line that, you know, people skate when it comes to this side of things. I personally think, and I've always believed this, that you need to figure out for yourself what works and what doesn't work. Don't ever take the word of someone else instead of doing it yourself. Like half of my success has come because I just go out and work and I figure it out on my own. And I think that's, you know, the biggest, I feel like sometimes disconnect, like you need to go out and find your own money, whatever that is. And you need to experiment in your own market and really find, you know, those great areas. And if you're not, it's okay to literally quit now. It's okay to do that and go back to W2 because it wasn't working out. But I think it's a matter of people just really figuring out what works best for them. So that's kind of the way that I've always approached it. I just think people just need to be cautious, be entertained, love what you do, um, but also know what works in your own market. So I think that it's not just the content creators who kind of set an unrealistic expectation. Um, I, I think it's easy to look at other drivers in our market too and be like, hey, this is, you know, this person is making, you know, 400 bucks a day. I'm going to, I'm going to pick on my, uh, my friend Pam here, right? Pam always out earns me without fail, right? If I made 150 bucks, she made 300. If I made 200, she made 400. If I made 50, she made 400. So <laughs> she's she hustles harder than anybody that I probably know personally. She's on so she's on all of these apps, right? And and she multi-apps like nobody's business. She she's like a walking GPS. She possesses that market knowledge where she can look at two offers coming through at the same time and just know if they line up, right? She knows how long she's going to be waiting if at all and the exact route that's going to get that order done quick. So I mean, I can't compare my numbers in the exact same market to hers, right? So if I were to do that, I would be highly, highly disappointed. I think that goes with every market, though. You know, I have, from my own personal experience and like a quick, a quick story, is like I have a driver in my own area I know really well, is a friend of the show's. He kills it on Grubhub, literally has his full-time Grubhub driver and kills it. Like his earnings are ridiculous and I can't even get a cowbell to come off my phone. So like there is <laughs> always like a disconnect, but he knows all the ins and outs and he knows, you know, mm -hmm. when to schedule and how to become a premier driver. And I'm just like a premier who? <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's funny, but we just have completely different experiences, but we're both out here to make money. And I think it's learning what everybody's different experiences are to really make more money in your own market. Yeah, for sure. So, and and that takes time too, right? Like you can't, you uh, my, so I talked about this in a video not too long ago. Uh, my dollar per mile ratio has gone up substantially over the past few years, right? Like, uh, like I was making like a dollar a mile maybe when I first started driving and because, you know, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to take that order. I'm going to take that order. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do this order. And 
And now that I've learned my market, my wait times, and, and what to look for and what to avoid, like now my dollar per mile ratio is closer to like three, four, and even sometimes $5 a mile. So it, it can you hear my cat snoring? No, but that's really funny. He's, <laughs> he's like loud right now. So I'm sorry if you guys can hear that. So... Yeah, I mean, Kim, it, I think that comparing ourselves to anybody else is probably a really bad idea, too. I think that it's a, a way to set ourselves up for disappointment. You know, I, I don't think I can honestly say I've ever compared myself to somebody else because only I know where my money's going. Like I can only be responsible for myself. I can, you know, I'm responsible for the money I make. I'm responsible for the orders I take. Like I'm responsible for paying my bills. So only I can be responsible for myself. I just share the knowledge and the information that when I go out as a content creator, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've made. This is how I did it. Take it, leave it. This is what I'm doing. I have good days. I have bad days, but I think it's a personal journey and a personal experience. And I think putting a person behind the wheel and putting a person in the shoes of someone else to me some if it's done the right way can motivate someone to go out not necessarily make the same amount of money and i think that's where the disconnect is i think it's more about motivating people to go out and make money opposed to the exact how much money you're going to go out and make so i think you know for me personally my my thing isn't like hey check out these orders i want to my mission as a content creator is to walk people through not getting walked on at least from my perspective you know and and i really do try to be fair about that if that makes sense like i you know because at this point i've had conversations with thousands of drivers all over the country so i realized that my experience isn't the same as your experience it's not the same as you know thomas's experience it's not the same as anthony's so i, I do try to weigh that uh i, I just think that there's common sense things that drivers shouldn't fall for. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I want to get into the main subject of the conversation. And oh boy, I, I can I can feel the hate coming now. Kim, unpopular opinion time. I don't think that drivers should go full-time in 2024. I think it's a personal choice and a personal preference. <laughs> so let me clarify. Drivers should not be relying 100% on gig apps for their income. Actually, I'll agree with that. So I think that it is a fantastic source of income and we can do it on our own time, right? Like it, it does give us the freedom in most cases to make money our way. However, just like anything, I mean, it can go sideways, right? Like I've, I've had a vehicle break down on me that I've had to replace. And so like I've been out of the game for a couple of months before and it, it it's, it's soul sucking, you know, it, Kim, before, you know, before I started developing additional streams of income, right? Like I knew to the cent how much I had to make in, in any given day to pay my bills comfortably. And that is something that I hope that all drivers should avoid. And one of the best ways of doing that is to start to develop additional streams of income. So, I mean, at the most basic level, drivers should not rely on any one app. And and I know that you and I can agree on that fully. Yeah. Oh, hold wholeheartedly. I completely agree with that. I think sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. 
I think being full-time, it is, it's tough. It's a grind. And unless you're used to doing this, it's going to take a lot of work to succeed. And it's going to take a lot of multi-apping, a lot of multi-niching, multiple streams of income in order to be successful the way that you want to be successful. Um, you know, my biggest thing with going full-time, a lot of us have choices to go full-time. Some of us do not have choice to go full-time, meaning, you know, you got laid off, you, you know, something happened during, you know, your regular, you know, job and your traditional job. And you're like, okay, I really need to go and go out and work until I'd find something else. So, you know, I always give people the advice that you really need to know what bills you need to pay, how much your cost of living is. Like, just because you know how much bills you have to pay, you have to know the cost of living and how much you're going to spend in every single category from entertainment to food to you can break it all the way down because you miss one step, you can literally be going the wrong direction and it might yeah. not be a really good experience for you. It's, it's tough. And I'm, I'm not saying that lately, but you know, find other streams of income, you know, YouTube open. If you're creative, open up an Etsy store. Um, you know, there are so many just different ways. I mean, God, you can either, if you just go into YouTube and say, like type in side hustles, there's like transcribing, there's, God, there's so many things you can do to have multiple streams of income. So Kim, I have done Etsy. Okay. I made these goofy ass t-shirt designs that people <laughs> actually bought. See I've, I've done it. I've done that side hustle. And yeah. you know, I've actually thought about doing a video on that at some point, like how much I made doing it and you know, why I don't do it anymore. But I mean, I, I want, I want drivers to think about like, the, okay, actually let me back up here. I think it's always good to hope for the best, but to plan for the worst. Okay. So if you plan for the worst, you're not blindsided. If something does go sideways. Yes. Like, like we talked about earlier, absolutely have a backup fund, you know, have a, have a replace your car fund, right? Set money aside for taxes, you know, all, all that stuff. But also something else that you can do is do an extra order in the day and take that money and invest it. Like um, it's, it's sorry, go ahead. And to say, I'm a huge believer in investing. I literally, um, that's why I started doing DoorDash, believe it or not. Like when I first started, I was part-time. I was doing my W-2. And the whole entire point is I wanted to put money away for my daughter's college education. Yeah. And I started when she was one, I think. I think that's when I got, I started when she was one. That's how, that's how long I've been doing it. She turns <laughs> seven tomorrow. Um, and that was the whole entire point. And every single dime I made, well, not every single dime I spent some of it, but went into a Robinhood account. And that hasn't changed just because I'm full-time doesn't mean that every week, even every day, sometimes something goes into a Robinhood account and I am into dividend um, stock investing. So that way I get a kickback on like the back end of it. So invest, invest in your future, invest in whatever um, your college, you know, your kids college, whatever you need to do, definitely invest. I 100% agree with you. And that's something that everybody can do. And, and guys, there's there's no plug here. There's no link we're going to try to, you know, send you no. to do it on your own, right? Like do your own research, figure out a brokerage um, and, you know, just start investing money. Do it on your own. It, it you know, you'll be glad six months from now that you did. 
And Kim, I actually kind of treat that like a, like a savings account, right? Yeah. So I've got, you know, I've got my, my own investments and I just set that aside, right? Um, you know, whether, whether the market is up, the market's down, I just set money aside regardless. And uh, that, that's, that's one thing that drivers can do. But it, it, there, there's the opportunities are are endless, right? Like how many people have looked into medical courier? Sure, it still relies on your car, but that's a whole different thing, right? Like, yeah, that's not. I know a couple of people who do that, and from what I hear, a it pays far better, and b it's not oversaturated. It's not, but it's hard. From what I know, it's hard I to get into. Hard to get into, um, but you, it's very much W two ish. It's not so much the freedom that we all kind of have. It's more like Amazon Flex type mm-hmm. of thing, where you're more of an employee than an independent contractor. Yeah. But yes, you can make money off of it. So I'm not the smartest guy in the world here. Okay, <laughs> I've never claimed to be, but and I and I, uh, I'm not saying this to to brag or to showboat. I had counted my sources of income and I was, I was up to like eight different sources of income, Kim. And if I can do that, every single person in the chat can start developing these additional streams of income. Like it, you don't have to be a YouTuber. Like you, you don't have to like have, you know, like a bunch of affiliate links and stuff like that. There's always something like, like we had talked about Kim. I've done Etsy. I've done eBay. I've done Amazon. I've imported that's that's a whole nother thing. Like I ran an import business for uh, for a couple of years there, and I did quite well for a while. There's always something that that we can do to not rely on these apps. And Kim, I think that the single biggest mistake with with the direction that we're moving in that a driver can make in 2024 is having all of your income come from gig apps. I agree with that, and. I'm going to take it a little bit further. I know there are some drivers who still only work one app. Like literally their entire income is just DoorDash or their entire income is just Uber Eats or, you know, vice versa. Like, I'll be honest. I feel like with doing that, you're setting yourself like it scares me um, with people who can say, I mean, if you're doing that and you're making money, congratulations. I don't know how you're doing that, to be honest with you. I just think that there is more potential when you have multiple streams of income coming in. And I think you're literally, you're investing in yourself, right? I feel like every time you add another stream of income, you're giving yourself a raise in the traditional job sense. Like you're literally bringing more money in and you're giving yourself your own raise. So I'm a big fan. Learn as many things as you possibly can. Like I said, YouTube is like, we're all here watching YouTube (laughs) right now. Like it is the biggest way to learn how to do something. I learned how to fix my toilet last week, like learn how to do a side hustle, learn how to like, there's just so much that you can do individually to get yourself another side hustle. YouTube.com slash Kim, the plumber (laughs) coming soon. It was interesting, I can tell you, but it's fixed and I got it fixed in a half hour. <laughs> Save yeah, the plumber but, bill. <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, you're you're totally right. Like YouTube is a fantastic resource to learn just about anything, right? I before actually, matter of fact, before the the show, I was researching, uh, I, w- I was learning a few new things. Uh, last night on YouTube, I learned how to do something cool with audio that I didn't know how to do before. And now my my videos are gonna sound that much better you know, because I took the time to get on YouTube and like 
hey, I'm having this problem. So, you know, yeah. But, you know, guys, it's, I want you to think about this and I really want you to put a lot of energy into it. What can you do to start bringing in additional streams of income? And, you know, it's completely rhetorical. If you, if you want to share your ideas in the chat, go ahead. But I, just think about it. And, yeah. you know, if you start working on it today, in six months, you'll be glad you did. So, yeah. and you know what? Like, everybody's good at something, Kim. Everybody is good at something. Absolutely. I, I'll be honest. I knew Freelance. absolutely nothing about YouTube when I started my, I th- when I started YouTube, I thought it was just like, honestly, another social media outlet. Like I literally, I just like, eh, I'll just document my, you know, rides and, you know, just show everybody what I do. Like, it's just fun. Like, yeah. I just thought it was fun. Like there is so much behind it that you teach yourself. Like I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself how to do different softwares, different audios. Like there is like everything I've done has always been self-taught, but I've learned it through YouTube. Like you're never, look at me, you're never too old to learn, to learn something new. Like I started um, my YouTube journey in my I won't even tell you how old I was. But anyway, now 24. that I'm <laughs> I'm 24, there we go. Um, oh God, that would be a really long time from where I am right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm I'm in my I'm I'm oh, next month. I can honestly say I'm in my mid 40s. But I'm in my mid 40s, and you know, it you start something new and you learn something new. You're never too old to learn something. That's very true. I want to highlight this one, though, because I love this. So uh, Jason Krug says, I'm learning how to tattoo. And awesome. it, Right. I mean, like, you know, from from a heavily tattooed heathen myself, that that's super cool, right? But also, it's a skill that's never going to die out. No. You can go anywhere and do that, right? And, uh, you know, like, you guys will be shocked once you start doing something new and making connections, that can open so many more doors. Like I started doing YouTube, right? And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting paid to edit other people's videos and to do some voiceover work here and there. Mm-hmm. Like it, you, the route that you take could open so many additional avenues up to you. Yeah. So there, there's, there's my, my spiel. So start, start getting those additional streams of income. And, you know, and really, like, I'm not going to try to push anybody into a W-2 here, Kim, but I think you that know, the goal should be not being reliant on the apps. No. I mean, I, I love doing them, but I would hate to be 100% financially reliant on them. I agree. I think, you know, first of all, if gig work isn't working for you, it's perfectly okay. You never feel bad about going back to a W-2. If that's a better decision if for that's you, what you whatever, do. whatever is going to make you the most amount of money, whether mm-hmm. it is a W-2 and whether you need to quit now and go back, do whatever you need to do to go make your money. Um or you can do a hybrid version, some W-2, some gig work. It's, you know, it has, it's whatever works for you in your own income, in your own situation. Yeah. Me personally, unless something drastically changes, I love being my own boss and making my own money. So, you know, I'm always going to find a way to make it work. So, and, you know, I think all of us kind of have that mentality already that we don't necessarily want to work a W-2 or at least more than we have to. Right. I mean, because like, let's be real, uh, those of us with a W-2 
you know, we're doing gig work because we're probably not doing overtime in most cases. So I think that it's, you know, we already kind of have that self-employed mentality and, and do it for ourselves, uh, kind of, kind of drive. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up here, but, uh, a couple reminders. Um, so we are now a podcast as well. Uh, just be sure that um, if you're listening to us, you're either catching us on YouTube on Kim Side Money Plans or Zach Drives Fast. Uh, or if you listen to the podcast version, make sure it is explicitly branded How We Hustle. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we may add more down the road, in which case we would uh, tell you. Uh, the links to the podcast are in the description. Uh, you can also email us uh, anything interesting that you want to talk to us about, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, funny experiences you had, uh, like stuff that no other driver should have to deal with or something weird. Uh, it's howwehustleyt at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, add this number to your phone list. Uh, you can text us. It's uh, 678-888-3910. And uh, while you're out and about on the go, that is a fantastic way to reach us. Uh, just remember that uh, we only check this maybe once every three, four days, once every week. So send, uh, it's, send us those screenshots. Send us screenshots. Yeah. So it's just not going to be like a back and forth type of conversation. And please don't be offended if it takes us a few days to get back to you. So uh, yeah, a few, few ways to get a hold of us there. And um, finally, oh, of course, I forgot to do our next show slide, Kim. Our next show is going to be on the 21st of this month. So February 21st, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you then. Bye, everyone. Take care.